Welcome to the latest installment of the Run to Daylight Study Hall, Best Ball Study Hall, where we study what we're going to study anyway, and we bring you along for the ride if you're interested. And, you know, we are going to try and be better than we were last year, my guest this time. And he'll be doing all the shows uh, for the NFC is Jared Smola, also of Draft Sharks. Jared, welcome. Yeah, Todd, thanks for having us. Thanks for doing this with, you know, the draft, draft Sharks guys. We were talking before we, we went live that, you know, this is stuff I'd be doing anyways around this time of year. I'm actually, I'm going to start 2022 projections next week, you know, going team by team, projecting every fantasy relevant player. So this is, you know, kind of the stuff I'd be doing to lay the groundwork before starting projections for this coming season. And that's exactly what the purpose of this is, right? It's to set a baseline and then I'd love to have you back on and let's do it again. That once you got your project, your first run of yes. projections done, I call, I, I've started calling it best ball study hall and bias podcasts, because I think the biggest enemy of all of us is our biases, right? So you do these projections, you know, let's try and break them, right? You know, I mean, because you're just one person and, and oh, yeah. a group is better than one person Let's go through them and say, oh, okay. You know, and, and 80% of them, we might say, oh, uh, this looks pretty good. This looks right. And some of them you might say, well, I'm going to go take another look at that. That's a fair point. You know, I didn't think of that. Yep. And again, what we're trying to do is work together to, to, to hit on our biases. And you know what? It's hard not to be moved by other smart people. But if you have a kind of mindset of I'm going to be wrong. I just want to be wrong less. <laughs> and that's, and that is, you know, kind of rare out there. You get a lot of people with attitudes and that, that that's like, you can see me get triggered on Twitter sometimes. And 90% of the time I get triggered is by someone who thinks they're so great, you know, because I've been doing this a long time and I've had a lot of success in fantasy football and the, the longer I do it, the more infallible I feel. Yeah, it's funny you bring up that point because I know one of the first kind of, you know, big breakthrough articles on draft sharks, and this is before my time even, this must have been, you know, this site launched in 1999. This must have been one of its first few years, but my, my boss and the, you know, the the owner of the website. You, you were Pano, like, a, you were like almost a sperm at that point, right? Yeah, I was in elementary school, um, oh. <laughs> but, but my, my boss wrote an article, uh, <laughs> Lenny titled confessions of a fantasy expert. And, and basically the idea of it was fantasy is about who sucks the least. Like we all suck yeah. at this, but be, being right. the least wrong is how you win. Is in, how you win. Fantasy. Exactly. Yep. And attacking. And that's the whole point of attacking our biases, working together with other people who have a bit of humility. Um, I want to welcome uh, I think he might have been one of your Draft Shark followers. Jose Payne, I can't wait to listen to the show. Well, we're glad you're here. And if you have any questions or, or anything you want to add um, or anyone else um, or people who follow these shows later, look, this is meant to be interactive. This study hall, the whole concept is, yeah, Jaron and I are, quote, experts, right? You know, that and a quarter might get you a gumball these days, right? 
you know, I was just a grinder and I decided to do content. So uh, come along, share your opinions. Um, and if they're really bad, we'll mock you. And if not, we'll, you know, consider them. And uh, I'm going to share the screen now and we're going to do the NFC East today. I'm no expert, by the way. I might consider myself an, an, an analyst, but I'm, I'm just really fortunate enough to have to, to you know, be be blessed with the opportunity to spend 50 to 60 hours per week on fantasy football. I'm sure a lot of people would like that, but you know, that that's just, um, that that's the only thing that separates me from anyone else. I'm too old for that. I, I just don't <laughs> have that in me. Um, yeah. you know, I did when I was your age, I don't anymore, but you, you learn some tricks along the way. Uh, but it's again, like you said, I am going to be doing this anyway, or I should be doing this anyway. I might not, but I should be doing this anyway. Mm -hmm. And um, rather than trying, you know, I, I'm, I'm just over trying to, quote, create content. So this was a way for me to still have a podcast without me actually doing anything. No, just kidding. All right. So let's get to the Cowboys. They won the NFC East with a 12 and 5 record. Dan Quinn looks like he'll be leaving and Kellen Moore interviewed, but it doesn't look like he'll be leaving now. Let's start with Dak Prescott. Uh, Dak had a 68.8% completion percentage, 37 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, only 1.7% uh, interception rate. I mean, if you just looked at Twitter, Jared, you'd be mm -hmm. convinced that Dak sucked. And these stats are, you know, yes, he didn't look as confident as he had in the past. Yeah. But, I mean, these are some really good stats. They are kind of, I guess I'm kind of with the Twitter mob that the Cowboys offense felt disappointing to me for a lot of the season. Not, so to me, Dak season, you can break it down to pre-calf injury and post-calf injury. Um, I, and I dug into these numbers earlier today, but before that calf injury, he averaged 300 yards and 2.7 touchdowns per game on a 73% completion rate. That completion rate dropped to 66% after the calf injury. And he averaged just two, 264 yards and 2.1 touchdowns per game. So I don't know how much of that we blame on the calf for the entire season. I got to think he was at or close to 100% you know, late in the season, and the offense was still sort of up and down. But I don't know. Again, I, I think there's more to unlock with this offense and what we saw last year with all the, the talent they have. And there, are, you know, some of these guys are free agents. We can talk about that. But um, you know, it's, it's still going to yeah. be a pretty loaded offense. Yeah, but my point is that those stats are better than what you would have guessed. And they're, you know, if you, let's see, uh, as far as fantasy points, 337. So yeah, he finished, know. he finished like quarterback six or seven in most scoring formats. Yeah. And, but the point is he's being drafted now. Uh, wow. Look at Justin Herbert going third <laughs> here. Uh, Joe Burrow fourth. Yeah, I did my first FFPC today, 28 round. Not that I wanted to draft this early, but... Is this the uh, early tournament? Uh, no, this is the no, hard okay. way. So you've got Scoundrel, Billy Musio, Noah Rudell, me, uh, Austin Martin, JD from Goat District, Davis Maddock, Abib, who's two-time uh, football guys champion, Theo Greminger, Dan Williamson... Uh, G-Dub and Nelson Souza. So it's a pretty pretty damn good room, yep. right? Um, and when you look at where Dak went, he didn't go until the eighth round as quarterback three, four, five. 
six, seven. Um, yep. So that's what I mean. I, I just think that there's a chance you're going to get a discount on him. And I think your point about him, the offense looking like it should have been better at times, mm -hmm. means to me that there's the upside that I'm looking for for next year. And a lot of times you find when guys come up really major injuries, and he had a really major injury, there's room for growth. Yeah, his rushing numbers were down considerably last year too. Um, career and they might low. Not come back. They might not, but like you said, he Those was also might not removed. come back because of the you know they, he just doesn't want to run after the injury. That could be. Um, I that, think that, you know, that, that might that might persist. I would guess. Maybe. Um, you know, he, you know, he's still in his twenties. Um, again, he had the calf injury this season, which, which I got to think limited that I, I think it'll bounce back a little bit, maybe not to, you know, the, you know, he had a couple, he had a few six touchdown seasons, six rushing touchdowns. You know, I, I think that's probably not going to come back, but I would expect the rushing production to, to bounce back at least a little, uh, in 2022. I, I would guess that rushing touchdowns could come back more than, um, the yards, the yards, you know, because, you know, it, it it's uh, it, it's worth it more to run when you can get a touchdown. Um, all right, so let's look at him versus his previous years. Sixty eight percent completion percentage. He was uh, right around that before the injury. Thirty seven to ten nine before the injury. Yeah, the um, the, uh, the the thing that sticks out to me there is the touchdown rate. Uh, yeah. Was that six point two percent career high? Uh, so le league average touchdown rate is around 4.6, 4.7%, which is kind of where he was hovering so that could prior regress. to this past year. It, yeah, I, I think it'll regress a bit. He he should also be a above average touchdown rate guy, though, just with the weapons he has. So, you know, I, I'd like if I'm going to project him for 2022, I'd put him somewhere between like five and five and a half. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, you know, all right. So that's Dak. And then let's go and look at the next category which is attempts. So Zeke basically had two to one attempts, yep. oh, uh, not even two to one, less than two to one. And he was hurt. But see, and this is something that I, I mentioned the other day, something I don't like, what I like to do is I like to look at the other runners and look at Dak only three yards when he does have to run. Yeah. It looks more like he's running because he's under heavy pressure and not getting very far. You know, when you average three point yards per carry. Yeah, like that, I said, his rushing stuff was down across the board this past season. Yeah. So, yeah, that, I think that's a big question. Do we expect that to come back or not this coming year? Yep. So um, Zeke averaged a respectable 4.2. <laughs> but when your backup is at 5.5 per carry, I understand some of that could have been big plays that Zeke just mm -hmm. didn't get anymore. Targets, Zeke got six. See, this is the part of game, the Zeke's game. And Pollard had, uh, you know, so they, they did throw to the running backs a lot more. But when you look at ADP, he's still going in the first three rounds on on underdog. And when you look mm -hmm. at our draft, he, he ended up at the end of, and he uh, Davis wasn't happy that he took him. So he could have kept, kept falling. Yeah, and, and this was an accident. I know that from our <laughs> chat. So I think in sharp rooms, you're going to see Zeke fall. And I think the tendency is going to be to want to, quote, take the, the value. Mm -hmm. um, but 
there's no guarantee that they're going to still keep forcing him the ball. That to me is the biggest question with the Cowboys is what this backfield split looks like. If you look at any metric and, and you know, you pointed to the yards per carry. If you look at pro football focus, rushing grade, or missed tackles force per attempt or yards after contact per attempt, even, even in the passing game, Tony Pollard was more efficient than Zeke Elliott this past season. And, and to me, you know, Pollard is still probably trending up and Zeke is probably trending down. You know, he's only, he's 26 or now he'll, he'll turn 27 in July, which, you know, for some running backs is like peak age, like 26, 27 um, tends to be like peak age for running backs. But I, I, you know, Zeke came into the league so young. He has so many touches uh, on his resume. I, I think he's well past his peak. I agree. The only so issue is, and, and let's look over here. Can you see this? Yeah. Yep. They're 21 million over the cap. Yep. And then you go into it and you look at Zeke <laughs> and it's 30 million in dead cap. They can't afford to cut him. Right. So he's going to be there. Right. So I, I think, you know, fourth, fifth round taking a little bit of Zeke isn't the end of the world. But if you look at our draft, Noah, who is uh, from Texas and seems to always have a pretty good sense of things, took powered in the eighth round which is a little earlier than where he went and then he took hunt who i kind of wanted one pick in front of me yeah. um, I was say, well Pollard was going in like the ninth or tenth last year right well he started out right around here in the eighth ninth with the assumption that they would you know the assumption of rational coaching and then as we got closer to the season we realized not we i mean because i didn't draft him much in the eighth ninth round reality kind of just hit everyone in the face again, like a dead fish that Mike mm -hmm. McCarthy was not just going to turn and give power to 50, 50 split. So he fell back to like the 10th, 11th round. And, and, and I'm much more familiar with FFPC. So I'm talking right. FFPC. Yeah. Assumption of rational coaching is going to be the question here again, too, because I, I, I think it should be at least a 50, 50 split. If you know the best players are playing, in Dallas, but that, you know, that's not Correct. always the case. And Zeke, Zeke's contract is going to mean something, I think, to that team. So I think it's likely he gets more work than he should this coming season. Just, you know, exactly what that split is going to be is you know going to be a big question to answer. But I, I, I did not take hardly any Tony Pollard this past season. But, but, but if he's going in the eighth round this offseason, I'm, I'm going to be taking shots on him there because, you know, Worst case, and we said this last year, worst case, you're getting an elite handcuff. He's going to be a top five running back if Zeke misses time. Even if he gets the type of workload he got this past season. What what did he end up with this past season as far as carries and catches? All right. So here's uh, – and I was just going to it anyway. Yep. So one thing I do like is he only got two touchdowns to Zeke's 10. Yep. And and that could regress – you know, touchdowns are the thing that can regress in, in one direction more than the other. But um, he had a yeah. hundred. See, I like my, you know, my eighth round guys, eighth, ninth, tenth round guy. I like them to get 150 carries. I feel like if you can get 150 carries and 50 targets, you've mm -hmm. got a pretty nice floor somewhere in that eighth to tenth round. Right. And then you have that upside in case the other guy gets hurt or the light bulb finally goes on for their coaches. You know, my only question, again, we're, we're talking pre-draft. See, I would be much more likely to take Pollard in a season-long league than I would be in a best ball in the eighth, ninth round. 
because of it's just a little more scary for me in best ball. See, I, I was almost thinking the opposite because really? in season long, if, if in season long, if, if Zeke's healthy and you're projecting Pollard for eight carries and three targets per game, it's kind of tough to throw him in a starting lineup. Whereas in best ball, you know, if he breaks off a long one or scores a touchdown on those touches, he's going to start for you. And I agree with that in the 10th round. In right. the eighth okay. round, I want a guy who I, you know, like let's look in the eighth round. All right. So, uh, I mean, this is uh, obviously point and a half per tight end. Uh, I don't like yep. Knox that early. I think Friar Muth was right around where I would have taken him Pollard. I took Kadarius Tony. I had a few guys. One of the guys that I liked about as much was Juju, and I got him on the way back. So I just feel like these guys are going to be on the field, right? And that I can find someone with almost as much of a floor and maybe not quite as much of a ceiling at the running back position a couple rounds later. So that that's kind of, that's kind of my take on it here, but uh, I'm open to your thoughts. Well, well, it's funny. The guy that, you know, went that's right below Pollard on that trash board, Kareem Hunt is, you know, basically the same guy where you're going to get, you know, eight to 14 touches per game. And then if the starter goes down, he's, you know, a top five back now, Chubb is less likely to, you know, hit, hit the wall as Zeke is this coming season. So I probably do prefer for Pollard, uh, Pollard over Hunt at this point. Um, but I think they're pretty similar guys. And I, I do think those are the type of guys you should be targeting in that range of the draft, like you said. Interesting to me is Hunt the last two years has gone in the sixth round. And he's paid yeah. off with, you know, when he's been healthy, he's paid that off. Right. You know, I mean, he hasn't blown the doors off, but he had a pretty good win rate two years ago. And obviously with him missing so many games this year, it's going to be hard to use his win rate as a goal. But, uh, you know, and it's just funny because, you know, you make a point, you're not that wrong uh, or wrong at all. But really, when I look at that, my first instinct is, oh, I'm getting a three or four round discount on Hunt from last year. Where, where Pollard's going around or two earlier than he did. Yep. But that's what that's what I mean by bias is that's my bias. That's why it's good we kind of look into this and bounce these ideas off because um, they are probably a lot closer in value than you would think. Yeah, and again, this is where it's nice to actually sit down and do projections, but just like off, off the top of my head, like I, I think when Chubb and Zeke are healthy, I'd, I'd be projecting Hunt and Pollard for, for pretty similar workloads so I, yeah i think they should be going in the same area of drafts the only difference is that i could clearly see dallas taking a third round running back where i oh, don't really? think the i don't think where i don't think the browns will i don't think either team will i think that the amount of money dallas has tied up in zeke and then having pollard there i, I don't I, i'd be surprised if they you know spent more than a sixth or seventh round pick on a on a running back yeah but they've got less holes to fill i think and that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. It's a good roster for sure. I uh, like the guy that I think I, you know, Jerry tends to love his Texas boys uh, spiller. Mm. You know, I don't know if you've watched any of his tape. He's electric. No. Yeah. Um, you're, you're ahead of, you're ahead of me on the college guys. I haven't watched any of them. I've only outside. watched a few. Yeah. I mean, I, I, see, I watch a decent amount of college football during the season, but I haven't really dug into any of those guys yet. And, and you notice in my draft, I took that, even though it was, uh, looks like it was an accident. It wasn't, it was from a queue. 
yep. um, overnight. And um, I've got Kenneth Walker. I, I like him. I think he's just as good as the two other ones that are going earlier in Spiller and uh, Hall. Uh, Hall from, yep. from my tape watching. All right. So let's look at the receivers. And everyone is everyone hates CD Lamb now. <laughs> that's the that's the latest. Yeah, so I mean, so Lam, so Lamb finished twenty fourth among wideouts in PPR points per game. That was I was up from thirty fifth as a rookie. He improved his efficiency stuff across the board. Catch rate, yards per catch, yards per target were all up. He he was good in yards per route run, which I think is an important metric to look at. That my my only knock against Lamb is you know he only saw twenty percent target share. And, you know, yeah. that, that's just not, that's just not, you know, alpha stuff. And I think in, in year two, he was at Lamb's target share as a rookie was 17 and a half percent. So it did climb, you know, two and a half percentage points, which is good. And, and I think, you know, in year three, he should still be, be on the ascent. I, I just would have liked to have seen, especially with all the time that Cooper missed, I would have liked to have seen Lamb, you know, command a bigger piece of that pie. I agree a hundred percent. And Jerry already took a shot at Amari. So let's check out Amari's. See, he could get out from underneath Amari, and that might much, see that that right. If you're drafting early, that's that's where Lamb gets very sneaky, because yeah. if there's only six million in dead cap uh, for Cooper, although it, they also have Michael Gallup, who's going to be a free agent, and Dalton, yeah, and Dalton and, but Schultz. he's not in these numbers. Yeah, I'm just saying. I mean, they, I mean, they have to bring Cooper or Gallup back. I I don't think they can let both those guys go. Um. Probably, probably. But, but you know, look, I mean, Dak mixed it up. The, the one place where I thought that Dak really was worse was, you know, from Daily Fantasy, those games where Dallas would fall behind with their bad defense. Mm-hmm. And then Dak was just like, you know, would go absolutely ballistic. There was like four or five games like that. And he just he just never seemed to be able to kick it into that extra gear. The whole yep. offense seemed to struggle to do that. Let's look at their free agents. Cedric Wilson, Gallup, and Noah Brown yeah. are, are all free agents and Malik Turner. So uh, this is a team that I would expect to ad- – well, they can't really do much in free agents and Dalton Schultz. Yeah. Yeah, I just I just saw today a report that they might franchise tag Dalton Schultz, but that you know that's a big one because I, you know, my biggest single player mistake in drafts this past year was I had a ton of Blake Jarwin and hardly any Dalton Schultz, and I was I was pretty good about diversifying in those type of situations and you know for for most spots, but for whatever reason, I just kept drafting Blake Jarwin and not that, drafting that's Schultz. That's the and biases just, that we talk about. Yeah, and if I had and, ju- if I just mixed that up and had more Schultz, yeah, I would have, I would have had a much better season. Yeah, and I I had partners who liked Schultz more than I did, and I let them draft him. I just didn't see it, and mm-hmm. I should have because Schultz played well. It's going to be very, you know, they're going to have, you know, we we you know we find teams find their way out of cap hell, and you know, look, they just resigned Dak. Dak has got a $34 million hit. Demarcus Lawrence, a $27 million. Amari, 22 So I think, and, and, and Zach Martin, a 20 yeah. I think all five or six of these top guys are likely to be re-signed to sure. cap-friendly deals to help them get under. 
And look who else is in the top 10 in cap it down there. Blake Jarwin. That's one of the reasons I was drafting him. Yeah. They, they gave him a big contract. I think it was last off season. I want to say. So that that was one of the reasons I was drafting them is they seemed to commit to him as their guy. Um, And he was obviously coming off the ACL and and all that, which probably played a part in it. But so, yeah, I don't know. So do they want to sign Schultz to a big deal after giving Jarwin all that money? Uh, I don't know. I guess Jarwin's a guy in these early drafts. I'm going to be taking super late, probably my last pick just in case Schultz leaves. And then Jarwin takes back over as the, as the starter. Yeah. I mean, I don't see them letting Schultz get out. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, 78 receptions at 10.4. I mean, that's about as good as it gets for a guy of Schultz's yeah. ability. Yeah, he was, he was great. Um, you know, Dak obviously came to trust him. Um, you know, if, if we look at like yards per out run, um, he's Schultz open. Was six, he was Schultz was 16th among 35 qualifying tight ends in yards per out run. I think that that kind of speaks to his talent level. Like he's not he's not an elite guy. Yeah, he's, again, that, he's that next level down. Yes, exactly. And, and when you have uh, defenses paying attention to CD Lamb and Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup, Schultz is kind of and, an afterthought. And I think if he ends up anywhere else, I'll be way less interested in him. Me too. Guys like Schultz who are mediocre talents. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, let's call it the Austin Hooper syndrome. Yeah. Yep. Right. You know, um, he 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 found a uh, a quarterback that liked him, used him. He was the third read. Yeah. So um, I think we're pretty good on Dallas. Yep. Well, I Lord. you know uh, Jose mentioned that it hurts Lamb. I I feel like, uh, and he also wrote too many targets to feed. Yes. The the you know but. Look, that's good offense. It's not great for fantasy, but it's good offense. But I think people, you know, let's look really quick at C.D. Lamb's ADP. Yeah, I mean, he's still going at the end of the second round. Yes, yeah, that's that's probably still too high. And I wasn't drafting him last year at ADP. I had some when he was back in the third. And uh, when he moved up to the second, um, he became a fade for me. Yeah, my, my only knock against him was volume. I, I didn't think he was going to get the volume with all those other mouths to feed in Dallas, and that you know that turned out to be the, the right call. Very, very right call. All right, so we spent a lot of time on Dallas, and I don't mind because they are the, <laughs> the only team in the division that you can really feel good about scoring a lot of fantasy points. Let's move to the second-place team. The Eagles were 9-8 and eight after a bad start. And they started running the ball a lot more towards the end to yeah. kind of hide Jalen Hurts. I put Jalen Hurts, you know, and and look, he had a 61% completion percentage, but Gardner Minshew had a 68%. You know, Jalen Hurts just misses people. Mm-hmm. And it's going to continue to hold the, the, the receivers up. But here's the thing with Jalen Hurts. You made the playoff with the guy. And the coach has already come out and said that he is going to be the the quarterback next year. I put him in the kind of the Kirk Cousins. uh, Who is the other guy that everyone wants to replace at quarterback? It's like like half the league, isn't it? (laughs) Well, yeah, but uh, I'm talking Hurts. Jared Goff? Cousins. Well, Goff is a guy that you definitely have to. Carson Wentz, oh, Baker the Mayfield. Thir- the, no, the third one's Baker. Baker, yeah. Right? Like, you know, everyone says they want to replace those guys. 
And what you find is it's just not that easy to do, right? It's easier to say, yeah. you know, on Twitter, people get in their, in their, in their cups and they say, Oh, get rid of them. You know? And it's like, well, a guy who is going to be, you know, somewhere between the 10th and 20th best quarterback, mm-hmm. you know, if you're a team that with nine wins, it's really hard to find another quarterback. I don't think Gardner Minshew is the answer. So to me, Hurts right now, I think he's like a league average passer. He can still get better. You know, he's heading into his third season. I don't think he's ever going to be a top five, even a top ten passer. But he can still make, I think, small improvements as a passer. Sure, but, absolutely. But if he's a league average passer and he's also one of the five best running quarterbacks in the NFL, he could be a top ten. NFL passer. And then for our purposes for fantasy, like with the rushing stuff, Hertz led all quarterbacks in carries, rushing yards, and rushing touchdowns this past season. And you know, he he finished quarterback 10 in points per game, fantasy points per game because of that. That's not gonna change if he remains our starter. So to, to me, he's he's a guy I'll be targeting in, in these early drafts. I, the one thing I I know the front office said that they're committed to Hertz as their guy. They said that that doesn't that doesn't guarantee anything. The Eagles have three, no. the Eagles have three first round picks this this spring. So and they, they want and they want Watson if they can get him. They want Watson, and if they want to make a move for one of these rookies, if they fall in love with a guy, they can move up to get one of them. So, you know, Hertz is not guaranteed the starting job. I think it's likely he's their twenty twenty two starter, and if he is, I think you know he's a pretty easy top ten fantasy quarterback. Yeah, I, I don't know that you're getting a discount on him yet. And um, yeah, what's his ADP at? Uh, right now, he is going at quarterback one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. That's uh, that's um, discounted to me. I I take yeah. him, yeah, a few spots higher. Yeah. Well, it, you know, I don't know. Would you take him over Trey Lance? Absolutely. Would you yep. take him over Stafford? I would. Well, I I think you know, but there's also a risk that Hurts isn't the quarterback next year. So I, that kind of balances to me. Mm-hmm. The, the You know, yeah. the issue for me with Hertz is that they went so run heavy with him. Um, I know one of, one of the notes I jotted down about Hertz was um, he was he finished as a top 13 fantasy quarterback in 12 of his 15 games. So he, he was really consistent. He didn't really kill you very often. Again, I think, you know, that goes back to the rushing. If you're going to run for, you know, 50 to 60 yards a game, it's kind of tough to really bust. To me, the only risk with Hertz taking him at quarterback 12 is that he's not their starter. And I think there's like a 10% chance that he's not their starter next year. Yeah. And, you know, in general, I don't draft more than 15% of any quarterback. Yeah. uh, Because it's so hard for them to separate. So when you look at his completion percentage went from 52 in, you know, four games, but still 52 (laughs) to 61. You probably heard me talk on the last pod about this. I've done a lot of studying on this. You tend to get these inaccurate in general. Rookie mm-hmm. quarterbacks tend to have a nice bump the second year, and then the third year you get like an incremental. So it wouldn't shock me to see him at sixty-three yeah. percent next year. Next year, which is for a guy who runs as often as he does, is pretty good. And um, you look at the yards per the yards per attempt numbers are, are pretty solid. You know, in the low sevens, that's kind of like league average. So, again, if he can just be an average passer, then give us the that rushing production. You're in business. Nine nine rushes per game. It's awesome. Scott five, Miles Sanders eleven, Jordan Howard twelve. What's uh what's Sanders ADP right now? I think he, I think he's going to be undervalued. Um, 
early in the year when he was healthy, that's when they were going pass heavy. And we were all sort of, you know, frustrated with how little work he was getting on the ground. Yeah, he's going in the 79th pick. Yeah, I like Alex Sanders a lot right now. Um, at that, at that point, that, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, and, and then the, the second half of the year, he was dealing with a couple different injuries. I think it was the ankle injury. Then he had the, what was it, the wrist injury or hand injury, something. Cuts him out late. But, you know, if you look at his four healthy games late in the season, he had 16, 9, 24, and 18 carries. Um, the, the only thing is, and, and this is Nick Seriani, you know, like Gainwell, yeah. early yeah. in the year, he didn't give the ball to Sanders enough, and he was giving Gainwell a lot of, of carries and time on the field. Then yeah. Sanders gets hurt, and Gainwell doesn't play. You know, I, <laughs> I don't like – I mean, at, at his ADP, I, there's nothing to not like, yep. but I'm also not going to accumulate a ton of Sanders there because I can't trust the rational coaching. Yeah, I think I think Sirianni has roles for all of his backs, and like the reason Gainwell's role didn't grow when Sanders got hurt was because they're not playing the same role. It went down. You know, it wasn't it that down, it which didn't it, go up; it went down. Yeah, and and maybe that's like a rookie thing. Maybe he was making mistakes, and they didn't yeah. want to trust him and that type of stuff. Um, but yeah. I mean, it's it, it's going to be a committee in Philly. I'm not I'm not saying Sanders is going to get 300 carries and no. that he should be a second or third round pick. I think he but should he, be going. But he could. Right there, there is that chance. Yeah. There's right? that chance, but again, I, I expect Sirianni to keep it committee. Um, so I think I Sanders should get... be going like the fifth or sixth round. Yeah, and, and that's right where I would uh, consider him in our hard way draft. He, I think, he went right here at the uh, six one. Yeah, that's, so that's five twelve six one. Yep. Um, you know, and that uh, that's a good value. I I took Amari before and if he had made it back i would have taken him right. what do you think of amari at, in the fifth round end of the fifth feels about right for him uh, you mentioned the fact that maybe he's a cut candidate which i think would probably hurt his stock i mean i don't know maybe, maybe there's a chance he goes somewhere where he's the true number one guy but i think staying in dallas would be the best case for him and i think you know fourth fifth round is kind of where i'd be looking at cooper yeah right i now. thought that was pretty good value yeah, it's, um, it's solid. I, I mean, he wasn't the guy I w- I wanted. Who was mm-hmm. the guy I wanted? Lockett, no, maybe. No, I mean, no, Lockett. no. Lockett's going to be undervalued again for the third straight season. Oh, I was considering him when I took uh, DJ Moore in the fourth. Yeah, I was that... torn between DJ Moore and yeah. Terry McLaurin. I just think DJ Moore has a better floor, and I think they both have yeah. pretty good ceilings if they can get a good quarterback. Yeah, more more is the new Allen Robinson, where you just hope he doesn't go his entire career with crappy quarterback play. Yep. Uh, as far as receiving, it's really hard to get too excited about anyone. I think mm-hmm. you could get a um, a bump from uh, Devonta Smithy or two. Uh, yeah. The only guy that I'm pretty interested in is uh, Dallas Goddard. Seventy six targets, but definitely um, started seeing more action once Zach Ertz was traded. But you would really like to see him get over a boy. What he could do with 120 targets if he could get it. And that, you know that's pretty much the pay. Let me let me pull up my calculator here. You know, if, if we're if we're talking 17 games, he was on pace for 114 targets in the games after Zach Ertz was traded. He he averaged 6.7 targets in the games after Zach Ertz was traded. Goddard's his Goddard's scoring average in those 10 games would have made him tight on five. 
in PPR points per game. I think that's kind of where he should be going. Um, and he's going as right number now. seven, but yeah. that's a little misleading because he's going, you know, 13, a full round. Yeah. Like I, I might take him over Hawkinson. And I think he, you know, we're at, at worst, he should be going, you know, right there with Hawkinson and well ahead of those, those, you know, next guys, the Dawson Knox, the Gronks, the Schultzes. Yeah. I don't know how anyone's drafting Gronk that early. Um, right. he, he could easily retire. Um, yep. And he could easily play and not be, you know, do what he did this year, miss half the season. Yeah. Um, all right. I don't think there's anything else to really go into here. I do think that they are going to look to get more uh, talent on this offense. Um, yes, they, I, they have to add a receiver for sure. Yeah, definitely. And, so and again, it, they have those they have those three first round picks. So I, I would expect one of those to be used on, on one of these first round wideouts. Which would be the third straight year. Those would be the third straight year they take a first round wide up. Or trade down and get, you know, uh, I wouldn't be shocked for them to add two, three during the draft. Uh, The Washington football team is next. Well, who knows who's going to be the quarterback? I think Taylor, you know, those who wanted to make Taylor Heineke an option, he he really isn't. You know, Fitz is 39. He's a backup. He's a good backup. Yep. He's an above average backup, but they don't have a quarterback on this roster. You know, I could see Kirk Cousins being of interest to come back. You know, there's you know, he's gonna end up somewhere. All right, so let's let, let's not spend time on a quarterback that we're not even gonna see. Um Antonio Gibson, you finally have JD McKissick leaving, most likely. Hope hopefully, yeah. McKissick is a free agent. Fitzpatrick, Kyle Allen, and Catwise, Washington's in good shape. They should get some advantages here. You know, hopefully you get uh, Curtis Samuel back right. next year. Yeah, um, I mean, I, this, is a, this is a team that I think could be very good if they get an answer at quarterback because they have some nice weapons on offense and they have plenty of talent on defense. Yeah, when you look at our draft. Where'd Gibson go? He, uh, my memory is he went, yeah, right. In the, Third he, round, I, yeah. I was dying for him to make yeah. it to me at three, four. I was not happy here. I, I mean, there was just, you know, I didn't want. I, I could have taken Darren Waller or Keenan. Mm-hmm. Nobody. There was just nobody, and that's what you find a lot in these early drafts. There's just nobody you really want. So I took Aaron Jones. If you What's had that? known Waller was going to be there in the third, would you have taken a running back in the second? No. 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 You like pets that much? If I well, I think it is a one and a half PPR. Um, mm-hmm. The the guy, the only guy I would have taken instead might have been Diggs. I I think Swift, who was one of my favorite players last year, I think that's a little early for him. I think he's going to still split things. Yeah, I, I would I would take I would take Gibson ahead of Swift right now. I you know what I I I would have been comfortable taking Gibson here. Yeah, I was going to say I think. That's kind of, I, I, you know, hindsight yeah. being 2020, I just wanted pits. And when Andrews went one pick before him, I just decided to do it. Right. I'm not going to be doing a lot of drafting. I did this because all the guys got together. I really want to do more studying and less drafting early. I say that every year. And then once I do my first draft, I get addicted. <laughs> Um, I mean, dra- I mean, dra- drafting is studying in a lot, a lot of ways, right? I mean, kind of it, makes it, it is, players. but you can you can go through 
Let's see what Jose said. Gibson would be a fade for anyone next year in round one or two. No, I think if anything, he, he had a good year, and there's a lot more opportunity there with McKissick leaving. He's well, still got 42 receptions on 52 targets, and and he played almost the entire season with that stress fracture in his shin. Yeah, I love Gibson at the end of the second. Yeah, I I think I think mid second is kind of where he probably should be going. Yeah, um, and I I felt like now I do like Jared Patterson. I think Jared Patterson will be involved, yeah. uh, but how much? Who knows? And I don't think they are going to feel the need to really bring in somebody. I could see them re-signing McKissick. Right. Um, yeah. That, and then that'll the, tell us the, a lot. That'll tell us a lot what they do at running back because you know when McKissick was healthy, Gibson was still kind of disappointing as far as his passing game usage went. It was when, it was when McKissick missed some time. He had the concussion. That's when Gibson started to have the, you know, five, six, seven target game. So if they bring back McKissick, then I would again expect Gibson to not see a ton of passing game volume. But if they let McKissick walk and don't add anything, I think that'll be the signal that they're ready to, to you know, give Gibson more in the passing game. You know, uh, the, the phrase post-hype, Gibson mm-hmm. was the guy everyone was hyping. He, you know, a lot of the real sharks were taking him at the end of the first, beginning of the second, at different points last year. And, you know, they were assuming that he would take over, and he didn't. And I don't like drafting to someone's ceiling, but I feel yeah. like end of the second, uh, I don't expect to see him at the end of the second all year. I just don't. End of the second is like drafting him at his floor almost because we know he's going to get you know 250 carries or so terry mclaurin 130 targets i mean he's a guy who should be getting 170 uh but he didn't have a quarterback who could get him the ball uh 13.7 per reception is just criminal for him what did he have last year it's actually up from the previous year yes yeah but it was the rookie year he had 15.8 right yeah, I mean, he's uh, he's capable of being a 15 yards per catch guy. Absolutely. Um, Washington's pass volume as a whole was down last year from 2020. If you look at, you know, McLaurin's targets were down a little, I think. His target share was basically in line. It was around like 24%, which is a fine number. But they Washington just didn't throw it as much last year as he did the previous year. To me, with McLaurin, it's just what do they do at quarterback? If they, if they were to get someone like Kirk Cousins, I think that's – I mean, we've seen Cousins support top five fantasy wideouts. Yeah. I think if they could just get someone at that level, you know, that we could finally, you know, see McLaurin have that top 12. Fantasy and the season. end of the fourth round is to me, he's a very, like if I color coded these by how much I like mm-hmm. them based on where I took them, where they went, uh, you know, and blue was the best color. I put McLaurin blue. I think yeah. there's a lot of nice upsides still at the end of the fourth round. DJ Moore and McLaurin are similar, right? Like they're we like the talent. Oh, it was they're a toss the, up for me. Yeah, they're the top. I, I mean, it's just quarterbacks. That's the only. Question I, I mean, I just it was a toss up for me. And hindsight being twenty twenty, I had McCaffrey. I probably should have went McLaurin over DJ Moore. Um, yeah, but fair. again, I'm not putting a t- as much into this draft as I probably should. I don't think there's anyone else. We have Logan Thomas, who's coming yeah. off the torn ACL, so that'll be something to watch. And that, yeah. I think uh, Curtis Samuel is someone, assuming he's going to be super cheap, that I'd be willing to take shots on. It was just a completely lost season with his injuries. They gave him a big contract. 
in free agency last offseason. I think they had big plans for him. Um, so if he's kind of flying under the radar going in the, you know, 15th round or whatever, I'll, I'll definitely take that's, some, some Samuel. That's about where I think he's going. Look, he's going pick 160 on underdog. I mean, Antonio yeah, so Brown and Cedric Wilson are going ahead of him. Yeah, see, I, I think I think grab Samuel now. I would expect his ADP to climb if we get you know yeah. any reports that he's looking get good. Get him in now because you, get him now because you're not going to get him there later right, if he's agreed. healthy. And if he's not healthy, well, at that at that ADP, it doesn't matter. Yep. Let's finish up with my giant new GM. New GM. He seems pretty good. I, it looks like they might end up with Dan Quinn. Everyone thinks they're going to get Dable. Uh, or Flores, but I wouldn't be shocked if it's Quinn. And if it is Quinn, I would be pretty disappointed. Who's going to be running the offense? That's what you know. That's what we want. Yeah, that's what's going to matter. Yeah. Um, and they, but they are saying the right things that they're going to really, you know. He 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 said today, I'm going to upgrade the offensive line. So they've got two so. early first round picks. Unfortunately, cap wise, they are 28th. They're over the cap right now. And good old Dave Gettleman has some really bad contracts in here. Leonard Williams, $27 million with a third, you know. Uh, Bradbury was a good contract, but Galladay is just atrocious. Uh, Adoree Jackson, 18, you know. I mean, that's just insanity. It's a multi-year Martin- rebuild. Blake, yeah, absolutely. Blake Martinez, yeah, Sterling Shepherds should be cut. You know, if it was me... I would just cut all these bad contracts and just suck for a year. Um, I don't know that they're going to do that. Um, the Giants never. See, but look at this, Kyle Rudolph, seven million. Like, who were they? Who were they competing against for Kyle Rudolph? <laughs> you know, as, and the, the Giants always do this, and then they let guys that they should keep go. Uh, the one encouraging thing from the Giants is Andrew Thomas played much better in year two. Yep. Um, it, so, it, you know, it looked like they really blew that with Werfs and uh, the other guy from that class. But uh, Thomas did pretty well. Tony. So do, so, you, do you buy that they're going to stick with Daniel Jones this year? Uh, yeah, I think that yeah. part of getting the job as general manager was it was like, you know, if you tell them the truth about Daniel Jones, you ain't getting a job. The good news is, if you're going to rebuild, I mean, this is his fourth year. Mm -hmm. So basically, you have every opportunity to just sit, you know, you give him one more year. And you say, and of course, you're going to say he's our guy, we're going to build around him. He certainly was a lot better. I mean, 64% completion percentage. One thing I, I will tell you about Daniel Jones, He's a turnover machine. Yeah. But it happens when, you know, if you get him time to throw, he, he is Danny Dimes. So hopefully, you know, hopefully he, I don't, I think, I think his upside is a little better than Kirk Cousins. Um, I think he's, I think he's, I think he's Kirk Cousins that can run a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that, that's always the thing for fantasy. Like he, he's had some massive fantasy games because of the rushing ability. Yep. He hasn't had much of a chance with the, offensive line and you know they tried to add some weapons for him and most of those guys were hurt or sucked this past season so i'm not like super optimistic that jones is going to be an above average nfl starter 
but I do think giving him one more year and hoping to, you know, get him behind a better O line and, you know, maybe Galladay does something and maybe Saquon stays healthy next year and just, just see what Jones can do in a better environment. I mean, look, 64% completion percentage. The one thing he wasn't getting was touchdowns, right? The interceptions were down, you know, seven interceptions in yeah. 11 games. It's not terrible. I mean, it's not yeah, super, great. Right. Um, yeah, super low touchdown rate that I would expect to just to regress. You know, come up, it, yeah, it, to regress. And, and yeah. again, uh, you, you raise the offensive line play. And the whole offense is going to play better. So I think he's yep. definitely, I mean, I think you have to see what you got still. You know, that being said, if, you know, you're sitting there, it was like when uh, Josh Rosen and Kyler Murray. I mean, if you have the opportunity to upgrade, you should. Right. Um, but, you know, John Merrick came out today and said, we're not trading for Deshaun Watson. Just forget it. It's not happening. Saquon Barkley actually averaged less yards per carry than Devontae Booker. Uh, again, I don't care that much about yards per carry, but I do care how you compete in yards per carry versus other players on your team. Mm -hmm. um, it was his first year back, and then he hurt the ankle. Right. Um, but even looking at his... You know, drafted at the beginning of the third round, so the twenty-fifth pick here. I like him if he's going at the you know two-three turn. I don't know about you. I mean, I I still wonder. I I don't think it's bad. What I, do you I wonder just about? I just don't know that he has that fifth gear anymore. Yeah, that, that that's that's fair. I mean, I, I don't know. I I thought I thought he was rounding into form off the ACL like right before he hurt that ankle. Like you know, his yeah, the game I, before I the Cowboys game was. No, and that's exactly what I'm talking about. And uh, our friend Jose, Tony, a sleeper for the Giants next year in fantasy. What round would he be drafted? Uh, I will say that I drafted him in the eighth round. Do you think that's too early for Kadarius Tony? I think it's about right, and I think, I think his his upside is like a fourth or fifth rounder. Um, I don't know. I mean, he he was barely on the field this past season because of injuries and, and that other... was concerning because he's smaller right you know and you worry about these small guys whether they you know I, I i'm i've learned with injuries the big injuries once they've shown that they're healthy i don't right. worry about those are much more fluky it's the guys who are always dinged up yep and it's it's the you know one week it's an ankle next week it's a rib next week it's you know, his cheekbone. And and also, I, I, I think Kadarius Tony, you know, they, is a bit of a wild card as a human being. Oh, he is. He had off-field stuff coming into the league. He yeah, I, the I, I'm surprised the Giants took him, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, again, fuck you, Dave Gettleman, and goodbye. So, and yeah, but, so you finally, I mean, the, so that's Gettleman the... finally trades down, finally, and passes on Micah Parsons and Slater to do it. Slater would look that, nice there. Right? That to me is Dave Gettleman in like a nutshell. Yep. Finally, finally, finally decides to play the draft board, uh, probably when he shouldn't. Um, all right, yeah, I think that might have been a little early for Tony, well, but I like him yeah. for best ball because I do think he has spike week potential. Yeah. So I mean the the risks are the injuries and the off field stuff and the quarterback play and the the offense around him, obviously, but I, I thought he looked awesome when he was Amazing. healthy 
and he commanded targets. You know, he had nine plus targets in four of his seven healthy games last season. Tony was 11th in yards per route run among 89 qualifying wide receivers. He was second among rookie wide receivers behind only Jamar Chase. So it was Jamar Chase as the most efficient rookie wideout, and then it was Kadarius Tony. So yeah, I I think the the upside is there for him to to pay off that eighth round price tag and you know more than pay it off, return a nice profit if he can just stay healthy next year. I mean, the catch rates on these are just so pitiful. Uh, 58 targets for Slayton, 26 catches, 53 and 36 for Shepard. All right, so 67% for Shepard, 45% for Slayton, 63% for Ingram, and 68% for Tony. And yeah, and the, you know some of that. Some of that's how they're used. Like Tony was used around the line correct, of scrimmage quite a correct. bit. Um, but still, what about what about Kenny Galladay? Is there any? That's what I'm looking for him. Is there any buy low? And, and he also he also didn't score a single touchdown last year, which is you know mostly fluky. 133. So um, 11th round. I'm definitely 11th, willing to yeah. take some Kenny Galladay. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think he is worth what the Giants paid him. I don't think he's like a true number one wide receiver in the NFL. But you know, they they did pay him. They're gonna want to get their money their money's worth. I think he's you know if he can stay healthy next year, he's gonna get solid volume. And again, he you know he didn't score a touchdown last year. Um, you know that's that's that that's gonna yeah. regress. Obviously, I love this price. I mean, yeah. you know, Kenny Galladay. I get not wanting to take him in the eighth ninth round. Yep, but. You know, the end of the 11th, 12th round, I mean, for a guy who's going to be on the field all the time, who, you know, has shown that he can play in the league and was going in the third round a couple years ago in the fourth round last year for, I mean, sixth round last year for a little while uh, before he started dropping. Um, I I really like that price on Kenny Galladay. Me too. Evan Ingram is leaving. (laughs) I'm done with him. I've I've tried the past. uh, I was done with him this year. Like people would be like, play him in DFS. I'm like, no, 3,500 Engram. I played him a little bit one week. He sucked. I'm like, all right, that's it. And the frustrating thing is he can go somewhere and in the right circumstances, he could, you know, he could be, uh, let's see what his ADP is. He'll turn 28 right around the start of this coming season. So, I mean, you know, he's, he's still in his prime. He was a freak athlete, a first round pick. Um, I'll I'll be curious to see where he lands. One eighty-one on. Yes, what is he like? Tight tight end twenty or something, probably. Uh, yeah, further one. Two. Further, yeah. I mean, shit. I'm gonna be in on uh, Ingram again if he's going that late. If he ends up somewhere decent. Twenty-fourth tight end. Oh, it says it right here. Tight end twenty-four. There you go. That I mean, that's a no-brainer for me. Well, I mean, we'll see where he lands and what kind of contract he gets. But yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I'll probably uh, be in. Yeah, I, I mean, I'll certainly have some. Um, I'm a little surprised Gerald Everett's going that late. Dan Arnold's going ahead of Gerald Everett. Uzoma, really. I, I, I had a nice amount of Uzoma last year. Yeah, I'll be I'll, I'll be off Uzoma if he's going above Everett and Ingram. Um, Tanyan, I, I mean, t- you know, tight end 20 for Robert Tanyan. I mean, he was so hyper touchdown efficient, and then he didn't do much. Chance Rogers isn't there. No, thank you. Exactly. Yeah. No, thanks on him. Irv, All right. Irv Smith, the guy. Irv, Irv Smith, I'll be taking plenty of right now while he's cheap. Gotta love you some Irv Smith. Agreed. Um, all right. I think that's going to do it. Any questions? 
Yeah, that was good. We'll see you for what the NFC North we're doing next. North, North next, and uh, cool. we'll probably get to that sometime this week. We'll let you guys know. And thank you so much for coming and studying with us. I'll be there.